it kind of consumes my day from start to end where my first thought every morning when I wake up is, am I going to be sick today? Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Santagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. Just want to uh, you know put this out there for anyone who wants to be a part of the show. You can reach out to us directly at oplpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your story. Uh, we go through all the emails. Or you can go to our website, oplshow.com. And shout out to all the patrons who are supporting OPL over at patreon.com slash OPL show. If you want to become a patron and help support the show, you can join up there. It's just $5 a month. You get weekly bonus episodes of behind the scenes, uh, kind of me and Joe preparing for episodes. So you'll learn what topic is coming up the next week. You'll get bonus episodes that never appear on this main channel. And you get to help us with our charitable venture, which we're calling Helping Other People, where each month we're taking a portion of the Patreon money and we're going to donate it to a different charity or get creative with the charitable venture that we can do. So you'll kind of be in the conversation in our Discord there, helping us decide what to do each month with that. So that's patreon.com slash OPL show. And today we'll be discussing OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. And, you know, I think this is a disorder that I'm sure a lot of us mention ourselves or hear in passing quite often throughout our everyday lives, but never really for its true meaning. A lot of people like to refer to their own quote unquote OCD when talking about their indecisiveness, their attention to detail. And this isn't to shame anyone because I'm guilty of it as well. But, you know, I think this is really a reminder that there are people who are diagnosed with OCD and it can be a debilitating disorder that affects pretty much every aspect of their lives. And we recently received an email with the subject line that read crippling OCD. And we felt that it would be super eye-opening, important to hear from this guest about uh, their experience with severe OCD. So with that said, we've got our guest on the line and thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And I think a lot of us have I guess, a general awareness of what OCD is, but can you give us an overview about what this disorder is for you specifically and how it presents itself in your everyday life? Yeah, I think that's a great question because OCD can manifest itself in so many different ways. Uh, for me personally, though I do have aspects of, you know, a bunch of different types of OCD, my largest one by far is obsessions related to germ and contamination. And a lot of that is obsessions rather than the compulsions part. But I definitely do have some compulsions related to that, such as hand washing and et cetera. So when you are saying that, you know, I, I you know, just for anyone out there, just to kind of separate the two, like, for instance, when I'm cooking like i wash my hands like a, a bunch but like what would be the difference between you know someone who's just like very on top of washing their hands and someone who uh you know has this disorder like how do you how would you differentiate the two yeah it's definitely to a point of debilitation um it's kind of until it feels right so i can be washing my hands you know 10 even 20 times in a row until it just feels like my hands are actually clean um, I've done it to the point where my hands are completely raw, especially in the winter, you know, they get cracked. And so I think when it reaches that point is when it's, you know, more than normal. Yeah, totally. And you kind of mentioned, I guess, two 
different paths with how this manifests. You said obsessions and compulsions. So what's the difference between those two? Yeah, usually it's a two-pronged thing for people with OCD in that they have these obsessions um, that just completely take over their mind. And compulsions are usually related to trying to fix those obsessions. So, for example, in my case, the obsession is fear of germs and contamination and just getting sick overall. And my compulsion related to that is things such as washing hands or applying hand sanitizer to try and combat that obsession in one way or another. So when, when you say that, uh, you know, what, how does that kind of affect your day-to-day life? Does that mean that, you know, you kind of want to be fully in control of everything that you eat or do you have a, you know, a hard time cooking? Like how does it kind of affect the way that you consume food? Yeah, a lot of it is definitely mental and it kind of consumes my day from start to end where my first thought every morning when I wake up is, am I going to be sick today? And just that thought alone can be enough to sometimes trigger like myself into thinking I'm getting sick. Um, this isn't every day, but you know it definitely manifests every day. And with regards to food specifically, um, I only eat food that is either prepackaged or that I have prepared and cooked myself or what my parents have prepared and cooked. Um, for example, I'm in college right now, and of course they have a dining hall and other food options, but I can't eat anything from that that isn't packaged because I just have fear that I'm going to get sick from it in some way, and it's just kind of a lack of trust. Mm. Well, that's not an easy environment to be in in college, and I think you know for people who aren't diagnosed with this or maybe it's not as severe, I think like a a gateway for us to kind of understand how debilitating this could be is maybe relating it to social life, for example, something that's, you know, important to a lot of us. And just hearing that, like, where does, you know, your friend saying, hey, let's go out and grab dinner or let's go to a bar. Like, are these things that you're not able to bring yourself to do because of the fear of having someone else's food or drinks and things like that? Yeah, so I've tried to find ways to work around that because obviously I do still want that social aspect in my life. Usually that just manifests in me eating ahead of time and, um, you know, going out to these places just to socialize. Um, Same thing with going to the bar, you know, maybe I'll come back afterwards. Or it's nice in that a lot of bars still have like, you know, canned or bottled drinks. Mm -hmm. Um, But mixed drinks, stuff like that. You know, I won't get close to. Um, so, yeah, I've found workarounds, but it's definitely still something that hinders my social life every now and then. Is there uh, any way that this OCD sort of manifests itself in a different way besides germs and food? Yeah, definitely. Um, another big one for me is uh, it actually manifests itself in praying. And this is kind of a weird one because. I wouldn't define myself as overly religious uh, by any means, but it was something I was raised with. And when I started growing into this OCD um, to the point where I am now, I, um, you know, I kind of took what was just a natural thing of, you know, praying before bed and just turned into this task I have to complete. Sometimes I'll pray like washing hands like 20 times before it feels right. And, uh, 
yeah, it's really a struggle to try and get that in before going to sleep. Wow. It's, I can almost relate that to, um, it's funny cause, uh, also not overly religious, but it's like, and I feel like we've talked about this too before, Joe, where, you know, if you're really sick or you have food poisoning or something and you, you like literally find yourself praying and like making promises that, you know, if, if everything's okay, like I'll be a better person if my stomach just starts hurting. And it's, uh, it's just, it's crazy here that just how powerful the mind is to, you know, be able to put you in that position where you just, I, I guess my question with that is, is it like, if you don't do these things, what is it just a feeling that everything will go wrong or that you will get sick? Like what's kind of driving you in your mind to, you know, have to kind of complete these compulsions? Yeah, it's actually sort of both of those in that, you know, I feel like everything will go wrong and going along with that is the fear of getting sick. Um, for example, at night, if it just doesn't feel right, I won't be able to fall asleep until it does. Um, so I lose hours on end of sleep just trying to make everything right. Uh, and it's funny you bring that up with, uh, you know, praying and just making all these promises when you're sick because I can think back to when I was a kid, you know, before I even had OCD. Um, I developed it around sixth grade. So when I was really young, I, you know, I did these things. And I thought nothing of it, but now it's just completely taken over my life. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I get the, uh, you know, what you were talking about with the food where it's like, I'm afraid of getting sick. That's why I like wash my hands so many times. But with something like praying, it's kind of piggybacking off of Greg's question where you feel like, you know, so it, it's just not right. Like when you're laying in bed and you and it's like just not right. So how do you, is there anything that you can do actively to make it quote unquote feel right? Or do you kind of just have to, wait until it feels right yeah i mean aside from actually going to a therapist for treatment or stuff like that uh there really is nothing i can do to make my mind feel right until i just keep going at it and going at it and eventually i reach a point where i'm like okay i'm at bliss now and i can kind of step away from that mentally and see like this makes no sense but yet I can't do anything to avoid thinking like that. Do you ever try to, I mean, you mentioned you were in therapy, so I assume you are taking steps towards sort of, you know, having some sort of remedy for this. Um, do you do any sort of like exposure therapy when it comes to food of being like, okay, today I'm going to try this or, you know, what are some ways that you try to combat this? Yeah. Unfortunately for uh, my you know, my focus for OCD specifically, um, a common treatment is cognitive behavioral therapy. And in terms of how my OCD manifests itself, that therapy would basically be exposing me to, um, you know, things surrounding sickness without me actually getting sick. So maybe they'll uh, put me in a room where I hear people sneezing or, um, you know, another a huge part for me is fear of throwing up. And so they'll do a lot of things to try and, you know, bring out these fears. But that's something that I personally haven't been able to confront yet. I don't really have the strength to go into that type of treatment because it's just that first step that makes me so scared. 
Yeah, totally. So it's just, uh, just the thought of that is terrifying, I assume, to be exposed to all of that or so close to those fears. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I've read things online where people with the same issues as, as me have gone through this cognitive behavioral therapy and they're like, you know, it's done wonders. But right now at this point in my life, I just can't bring myself to, you know, do that. Mm. Do you think you ever will? I'd like to hope so. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've definitely, my OCD has changed over the years, more or less. It's kept the same manifestation, but my ways, my compulsions, for example, or ways of trying to make it better in my head have changed more or less. And so I'm hoping I reach a point, I can't give a timeline on when that will be, but I'm hoping I reach a point where I finally am like, I've had enough of this and I need to go get um treated do you feel like this is because you mentioned you know going out to a bar for instance um does it kind of mess up your social life in a way where sometimes you feel like i don't want to go out or i don't want to go to this restaurant or you know restaurants in, in general like is that something that you would just not be interested in at all yeah it's definitely a hindrance um i it's something i've struggled with for a few years now in that you know, restaurants and just going out to eat are such a huge part of not only social aspects, but uh, for example, work life, you know, in order to connect more with the people you're working with, they'll suggest, hey, this Friday, do you want to go out for a bite to eat or something? And it's just something I kind of don't want to have to explain to people because I fear how they'll view me differently after that. Um, but it's something I have to confront so often yeah and that's uh as you just kind of give all these examples it's the one thing that's really sticking with me is how uh lonely i guess this could all seem that you're going well as you go through these obsessions and compulsions it's uh something i assume and and you kind of just alluded to is something that you would generally hide from maybe friends or, or acquaintances and things like that. And, uh, that really means you're just kind of battling, you know, this alone. Most of the time, it's sort of a behind the scenes and just really speaks to, you know, just the fact that you never know what someone's going through, especially in your case, where I assume maybe there's people in your life that have no idea what you're battling with, but it's yet, it's a constant battle. It's something that you're constantly fighting, constantly completing these, you know, compulsions and things like that uh and that's uh it's just got to add a you know a layer to it of difficulty i imagine yeah it's definitely something i struggle with telling people um i'm just you know i'm not often willing to open up about it because it is something so personal and ocd is one of those things i think it's hard for people that don't have it to wrap their heads around how it works because, you know, I've heard a lot of times, oh, well, why don't you just, you know, kind of get over it, tell your brain, uh, it's fine, you know, you don't have to do this again. Um, and that logically makes sense, but, you know, that's just not how my brain works. And so a lot of times I don't want to tell people because I do get that response and they're just not really sure how to help me. Yeah, those types of people, like... You know, you tell them you have anxiety and they're like, just be happy. And you're like, okay, like this isn't helping anything. Like that literally would be the first option that I would have tried. Thank you so much. 
Um, <laughs> but I mean, just because you're not like telling, you know, everybody, I'm assuming though that you do, you know, I'm assuming your parents know about it. I'm like, is it safe to assume that like your close friends also kind of know about it and are they like supportive? Yeah, it definitely reaches a point. Um, when you get so close to someone, it's hard to avoid talking about it with them. Um, just cause it finds itself in every situation I'm in pretty much. So the, overall they are very supportive. Um, my friends, I'd say, even more so than my family. And I think it's a, also a generational thing. My parents definitely just don't understand it, and they don't really know how to help me. Um, so their way of responding has kind of just been to ignore it. And uh, my friends, on the other hand, they're asking about it more and just like kind of checking in on me, which I really appreciate. So I think that support system is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what about romantic relationships? Is that something that this has sort of stifled or have you, you know, found a way to make those type of connections? Yeah, it's pretty interesting um, when looking at it from that aspect, because I have conflicting thoughts in my head. Um, You know, it has worked out before in the past, but I, I struggle from time to time to, you know, keep that going because there will be times where I'm just like, um, you know, I need some time by myself to figure this out or um, just to kind of reset. And that's something they either, you know, figure out and respect or they don't, in which case, you know, it doesn't work out. Yeah. Also, like, uh, I'm interested in, you know, kind of what 2020 was like for you. I mean, the pandemic comes around. I think everyone and their you know, awareness of germs and, you know, things like that, uh, have been heightened. Um, and for someone who deals with OCD that kind of presents himself in like a germ and food kind of way, uh, you know, can you kind of explain what that was like for you? Yeah, definitely. It was actually really interesting. Um, just seeing more of a response globally to fear of germs and stuff like that. Uh, for me personally, it actually didn't change my mindset too much because I have always been thinking in this way. Uh, so it was kind of like normal for me, but it was interesting to see everyone else around me start being like, oh, don't get too close. I don't want to <laughs> get germs, stuff like that. Um, so from an objective perspective, it was you know, kind of like, wow, this is almost a snapshot of my day-to-day life. Right. Could it have negative effects in the sense that it almost reinforces your mind? Like, see, I told you so. Like, it is dangerous out there. Or I should I should continue to be super careful. Yeah, and I've kind of tried to talk to people about that throughout the year. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like things are starting to get back to normal and people forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, from time to time, brought up like, you know, this is this is my day to day. What you've been going through this year, so try to keep that in mind. Yeah, no, it, it's such a a good way to try to begin to understand this because I remember in in the beginning of the pandemic, and we obviously knew a lot less, but 
I felt like I could see germs. Like I'd be in a grocery store and it's like going to grab like the, the door to open it or something. It's like you, you almost think like, okay, I can see this is covered. I'm going to get sick. The, don't touch this. And even if you know that it's like illogical in some ways, it, it the mind was is still so powerful and it still generated so much fear. And, you know, if that's something that you're essentially going through, every single day from the moment you wake up to, you know, going to sleep, it's, uh, it, it's that, that's just gotta be hard. But it, that was kind of a, I guess, way for people to kind of, you know, get a little bit of insight in, into what that could be like. Yeah. I remember for me, I, you know, you would, like you said, you'd be opening a door to like a supermarket or something. And then it, the thought crosses your mind of how many people touch this door today and how many of those people wash their hands and how many, you know, germs or this and that. And, you know, you're hyper aware of that. And then you think like, well, in the past, I would have just opened that door and not thought about it at all. But now you're just like hyper aware of it because there's a pandemic. So yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off what you're saying to now get a glimpse of, you know, people who who have this disorder and it manifests itself in this way, this is how they're living their lives day to day. And it, and it sounds, you know, pretty you know, for lack of a better word, exhausting to be, you know, constantly, you know, thinking about these things. Um, so yeah, I just basically just saying what you're saying, just piggybacking <laughs> off of that. Uh, but I also had a, a question. So like when, when, how come your parents, when they make food, you kind of like trust that other than yourself? Like, I mean, other than other people, like why do you trust your parents? Um, to like cook the food and you're like okay this one's like safe as well yeah um i think it actually ties back to the fact that you know i wasn't born with this and for the first few years of my life this was not an issue at all so when i kind of when that switch kind of went off and uh i reached a point where i was diagnosed i was already you know eating my parents meals every day so it kind of just transferred over that i already had that trust mm. whereas for other people um you know, new people cooking me meals or just going out to eat, I realize this doesn't work for me. And uh, I just don't have the trust that they'll be able to cook it right. And also making my parents aware, like, uh, I like my meat really burnt so that there's zero mm. percent chance of food poisoning and just making sure they wash everything well. And they know they have to be super clean for me. And I think that awareness helps out a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to touch on, you know, we, you mentioned again, this isn't something that you always had. There's that point of diagnosis. And uh, can you just kind of briefly walk us through that? And and maybe even for anyone listening, kind of whatever age that uh, maybe is uncertain or maybe questioning, because I know a lot of people can even have very particular OCD tendencies. And, you know, maybe there's that kind of uh, gray area of do I have OCD? Like, am I, are these compulsions kind of affecting my day to day and taking over? Um, but in terms of kind of getting diagnosed with it, you know, what, what was that process? Yeah. So it can first present itself at various different ages, but most common is early teens, uh, which is kind of when I got it, I got it around, like I'd say 11 or 12, uh, when I first really started realizing it. And an interesting thing is that for many people, there's an initial trigger that causes it to be set off. But for me, um, I 
looking back, I can't think of one, and I truly don't think there was one. Uh, I just realized one day, I guess, uh, that this was how I was starting to begin to think, and it kind of comes on slowly. Um, but if it's truly OCD, you reach a point where you're like, okay, this is not normal, and you start just uh, in the internet age, you start looking up like, you know, why do I think this way or why do I have this? And a lot uh, or oftentimes it will point you in the direction of OCD. And that's the point where, you know, either you talk to family and friends about it or you just reach out and go see a therapist. So I first brought it up to my family and they were all kind of like, oh, no, you're just, you know, you're a kid, you're growing and you have these weird thoughts. But I kind of knew deep down that that wasn't the case. Um, so I actually didn't get officially diagnosed until like end of high school. But I knew for all those years that I had it. I just hadn't gotten that official diagnosis. And I will say for anyone that's, you know, questioning whether they have it or not, that diagnosis can help a lot in just reassuring you that you're not pretty much going crazy. So yeah. it was like a relief for you when you got that diagnosis. It it just kind of like validated everything you were thinking the past few years? Absolutely. And I'll never forget uh, what the person had said when they were going through asking me all these questions and we reached the end and they were like, uh, yeah, I, I can say I am diagnosing you with this. And they asked me how that made me feel. And they asked it in a way that it was like, you know, are you freaking out right now? And I was like, no, this actually helps a lot. I feel pretty good now that I know that for sure. That's that's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, on, to that point, I guess, how do you begin to process that, you know, this this is something that you could live with for the rest of your life? Because that, yes, I understand the relief aspect, but is that still a, a big moment? Or are you just too young at that point to kind of understand, like, I'm, this might be a lifelong battle? Yeah, it's, uh, it's something I will say I don't really think about too often just because the idea of that is pretty scary. Um, this is one of the few, you know, mental illnesses where there isn't some magic drug to cure you. And the idea of going through it my entire life, um, you know, you just kind of keep moving forward. And this is my reality at this point. So I live either with it or without it. Yeah, but but just the strength it takes to even come to that seemingly simple understanding, I think uh, it just isn't talked about enough because it it is such a big thing to you know live with something that you could very well have for the rest of your life, and just the fact you know we're talking to you today, and you mentioned that you are in college and your life is moving forward. I mean as as hard as it is to hear how debilitating you know some of these obsessions and and compulsions are it still is good to just kind of understand that backdrop and that you know you're getting your education and moving forward and uh you know i don't know maybe you don't see it that way but i just think just the strength and the bravery to still move forward every day and function as a human because if i put myself in that position i just feel like i 
would have a hard time functioning or it would I would have to muster up a lot of strength to move forward and like not to go off down a crazy path but weirdly Joe knows I, like my ear was started ringing two days ago and it wasn't stopping and I like went down a rabbit hole of uh tinnitus or something where it happens and people's ears just ring for the rest of their lives and I felt so defi- I was preparing for like oh my God, this is the rest of my life. My ear's never going to stop ringing. How can I function? Can I still do the podcast? Can I still have a job? And like, I was just unraveling at the seams and luckily it's better, everyone, don't worry. Um, But just even that brief moment, which I'm not even trying to relate to what you're going through, but just that weight and that feeling that I had in my mind and, and the fact that you are living with this every day and like I said, just functioning and moving forward and now here with us talking about it is just, I, I don't even know how to word it, but like I just have so much respect for you and, and that strength that you're carrying that, you know, again, maybe you don't see it that way, but I definitely see it that way. Well, thanks. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I definitely don't see myself as like, you know, this strong person. It's kind of more of a survival thing where, you know, life goes on and with or without this i have to keep moving forward and it is something that gets in the way of some opportunities in life you know i just can't go forward with them but you know i work around that and i try to keep moving forward and stay positive and definitely keep hope that someday it will get better because i think that's important is that something uh you know that you've looked into of you know people who have suffered from this before? Have you ever like talked to anyone who kind of, you know, has the same type of thing? Like I'm sure there are forums or groups or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are definitely some good forums online. And unfortunately I've never met anyone else in, in person who's had this specific type. Um, just speaking with someone else who has OCD though, in general can be super helpful. And yeah, these online forums, you know, people, give suggestions for where to go and other places to check out. So uh, the internet can be a helpful place as well as, you know, it's many bad aspects, but there are good aspects. No, totally. And, and to that point, you know, I hope anyone listening to this that is struggling with OCD in, in any form or, you know, thinks they might be, uh, you know, we, I know we say this all the time, but we get a lot of emails about this topic as well. And, uh, it's, so it's, it's pretty much a fact that there's people listening right now that suffer from this as well. So, uh, you know, we really thank you for telling your story, being a voice for this topic, getting this out there. I think that was super informative, uh, and, you know, really just kind of well-spoken about uh, everything that, that you're dealing with. And I think overall to, you know, maintain that hope and and keep moving forward, like I said, is, is just really inspiring as well. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. And thanks for having me and, you know, giving me a voice to, um, you know, speak about this issue on your platform. Really appreciate it. Of course, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. All right. All right. Have Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Our next sponsor is Raycon. Raycon makes uh, wireless headphones that are amazing. These are great for, you know, just listening to music or just working out. I usually use them uh, when I'm running. And I actually have a problem, you know, with most headphones of having them stay in my ear, Um, especially ones that are like buds. 
Uh, but these don't go anywhere. They don't bounce around, nothing, and the music comes through like amazing, or the audio, whatever you're doing, listen to an audio book, whatever you want. Um, and the bass is amazing as well. Um, they're built to go wherever you go uh, with quick and seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case. Uh, crisp, powerful beats, okay, going through your skull when you're using the Raycons. They're amazing. Um, like I said, I, I have trouble finding things that stay in my ears. These stay in your ear, and it's a great sound quality. Raycons are, are really good. Um, they're offering 15% off of all their products uh, for our listeners uh, and here's what you got to do to get it. Uh, go to buyraycon.com slash OPL. Um, and there you get 50% off with your entire Raycon order. Um, huge, amazing deal. 15% off buyraycon.com slash OPL. Um, that's buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash OPL. Um, guys, go check them out. I mean, if you're looking for new headphones, these are the ones you want to get. Trust me, 15% off right here, buyraycon.com slash OPL. Our next sponsor is Gabby. Gabby uh, helps you get better insurance um, by comparing. It's like one of the true comparison platforms with real rates. Um, they give you apples to apples comparisons of current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, uh, and Travelers all in one place. Um, use your current information, your insurance information uh, to get started. In just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have, and it's free to use. So it it basically ensures that you're paying, you know, the lowest amount possible for the insurance that you have. Um, like I said, you're just comparing the the uh, insurance that you already have to other, you know, prices. So you know, you it's it's a great tool to have to make sure that you're paying the lowest possible price. Um, and like I said, it is free. Uh, customers usually save $961 per year on average. Um, that's a lot of money to be saving every single year, okay? And they'll never sell your info, so no annoying spam or, you know, robocalls. I, uh, robocalls, I should say. Um, you, you get enough of that as it is. I get like 10 a day for some reason. Um, but anyway, uh, put your policy to, this, to the test like I did. Uh, get a better insurance with Gabby. Um, it's totally free to check and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby, G-A-B-I dot com slash O-P-L. Again, that is G-A-B-I dot com slash O-P-L. Um, but yeah, go check it out. Go save yourself some money. You know, make sure that you're paying the lowest possible amount for the insurance. Everything's going to stay the same, but you're going to pay a different, a smaller amount. You're saving on average $961 per year. That's amazing. Um, so again, it is G-A-B-I, Gabby dot com slash O-P-L. You know, if I if I think about this long enough, I feel like it I can eventually drive myself crazy. You know, of of exactly what you were talking about, just thinking about something that becomes so permanent and part of your life, mm. regardless of what it is. Like it's scary to think about those kinds of things, even if they are like little things, like anything that becomes permanent in your life that is a negative. Um is a difficult thing to kind of deal with and 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 for him to you know, be able to like talk about it with us and kind of walk us through that. I, and I know a little bit about it because my sister has the the throw up phobia, which mm. I don't I don't know the name of it, but she has a legitimate phobia of it. And my entire life, you know, I've been around this person who is deathly afraid. And you know, we talk to her about it, and she it's kind of the same thing where it's like, I, I, yeah, of course I don't want to deal with this, but like, it, it's just something in my head. Like it just triggers. It's not even like her throwing up. Like, obviously that's very bad, but it's other people who throw up as well. Mm. So if someone like starts choking or something, like she'll get scared, like, Oh, someone's going to throw or like, 
you know, but, and she, and another thing that was really hard not to, you know, put this out there. I don't think that she cares, but she, I remember like, cause she just had a baby not too long ago, like eight months ago. Um, but before she got pregnant, she was very worried about it because she's always heard of like morning sickness. So she was worried. Oh, like, right. So it's like an internal battle. Like this could really, you know, affect your life and the decisions that you have when you're really afraid of something or you have a phobia or you have some sort of disorder like this. Like you don't really think about the ways that it can affect your life. Like for a minute there, she's always wanted to have children. She's a very like strong and resilient person. So she was going to do that regardless. Um, and she was just going to deal with it. But so for someone who maybe was on the fence or doesn't feel as strongly about children as she did, they could choose not to because of that reason of being like, I just don't want to deal with morning sickness. There's a chance that I could throw up and I have this phobia. So I'm just not going to do it. You know, it's like you don't really think about how these disorders can like really affect the path of someone's life. Yeah, no, drastically. And uh, yeah, like you said, just that that constant battle. And there's so much covered um, even in his email that we can get to where it's for that that fear of throwing up he said there's some days where you can't even swallow his own saliva because he's afraid that he'll gag on it um there's other compulsions like the tv has to be at certain volumes or car temperatures he said has to be um at 74 76 78 or 80 uh he can he can't end like if he's running a mile he can't end on anything that ends in like 0.13 like there's just the list is so long, which just goes to show how this can just manifest in so many different ways. And it's every yeah. single day. Like there's no day off from this. And uh, yeah, I meant when I, what I said, like, you know, not trying to be too dramatic here, but it, it's still no matter what he, he called it survival, but it's, it's hard to survive. Sometimes it's hard to survive when you get dealt certain cards or you're going through things like that. And uh, I, I think it's just like an immense strength that he has that other people have uh to just keep the hope and and keep going through it yeah for sure i mean it, you know what it is it's like the contrast of like someone who's just like dealing with something because at the end of the day you don't really know how you would respond to it you know until you're in it and you're dealing with it and it's like well now that i'm dealing with this you know there's there's two choices but like when you're not dealing with it the idea of dealing with something that's so that is seemingly permanent um, can be very difficult because you have no idea what it's like. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. why this kind of, this kind of thing is very hard to, for people to kind of wrap their head around. Like you said, because, because of that reason, because a lot of people don't deal with these things. So they have no idea. And I just know, you know, in my life, like something that everyone deals with, like when I, when I was super young, um, well, not super young, I was like 16, but when I was like 16, I had like, massive panic attacks and I had like a, a lot of anxiety and and there was people in my life that like friends that have no idea because it's like they've never had a panic attack they don't know what anxiety is this is before like anxiety and depression before people talked like, about their emotions <laughs> yeah basically it you know this is this is a different time like now like gen z is very much aware of anxiety and depression and everyone's very open and honest about it and talks about it like this is before all that so when you talk about anxiety people didn't even know what that meant so and then when you tell them what it is it's like i'm just very anxious like i'm nervous and they're like about what and i'm like about literally nothing like i don't know why but it's just this thing um but yeah, so it's 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 a difficult thing, and and people try to you know talk you through it, and it just a lot of it is not helpful. So it's like you have to really be in it and deal with it to kind of have a, a really good understanding, 
Um, but yeah, now that now that the discussion has been moved to forward, at least with something like anxiety, it's easier to kind of accept, uh, you know, advice and stuff from people. You yeah, know what I mean, so and I, I hope mean, the the people in his life, you know, continue being supportive as well, and you know, yeah. stay stay open to that, and and new people that he meets uh, as well, because that's I think going to be super super important um, just to have that support system kind of all around him. But yeah, man, that fear of like just losing control you know i think we're similar in that way of you know we like to be in control of our days our structure our routines the things that we work on and do and to get that taken away from you or or for that to just become kind of a constant battle with yourself is uh it for like for me that's that's just a really scary thought so yeah and like for him just to 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 be going through that you know and be willing to speak about it share with others and you know, be in college and keep moving forward is I just can't like stress it enough how strong I, I see, I, I view him as. Yeah. Um, that being said, with for anyone out there that, you know, has a, a story or something they want to share with us, uh, they think that would be good for an episode, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can go to our website, OPLshow.com, or just send us an email directly at OPLpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, follow us on Instagram at OPL Podcast. And like I said in the beginning, check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash OPL show. Join our fun. It's like a fun cult, not like a dangerous cult. We're trying to grow it. It is growing. <laughs> Shout out to everyone there. And that's something uh, you get- a cult leader would say. It's a fun cult. <laughs> yeah. It's the most fun cult. Uh but yeah, bonus episodes and uh, help us with the kind of charitable arm of all this that we're really excited to build. Again, helping other people is what we're calling it, uh, where we're donating a portion every single month of the Patreon funds to a charity, charitable venture. So we're excited to that for that. And we want as many people involved to help keep that going. And that is all. That is all. We will see you guys next time. <laughs>